0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: How's it going? And welcome to episode 75 of On The Wire. Proud member of the Pitcher Podcast Network Follow the pod on the Twitter at on the wire pod. And if you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, please take a second to let us know what you think. I am Adam Howe. You can follow me on the Twitter at 80grade. That's all spelled out. And I am once again joined by my co-host Kevin Hasting, who should be followed on the Twitter himself at HastingKevin. And Kevin, it's just doing me today, man. We are going guestless once again. This late in the season, sometimes it's good to just kind of, I don't know, bounce stuff off of each other, not have to worry about anybody else joining in. <laughs> no, that's kidding. The more voices, usually the better. But I thought, let's start off September, just you and me. How's, how's it going for you so far with only a month left? Uh,
2: it's going all right. It's really interesting watching league standings right now. It, it really <laughs> depends on when your pitching is going and how they perform. Uh, the big swings, there's still pretty big swings and standings. Like every three or four days, it seems. And it did your your pitchers perform well? Did you have your two or three aces pitching in in those couple of days? And you jump up and you go a couple of days without any pitching or, God forbid, the blow up. Mm -hmm. And... And you drop right back down. So it's fun. This is why we do this.
1: Yeah. Then you make the mistake, though, instead of just waiting three or four days to double check, you're watching the live standings and you're watching (laughs) things get chipped away like minute by minute. Um, Sometimes we were just saying we were just looking at. The Listener League overalls right before we started recording and we saw Luke Sperry jump over me in the overall standings as I was looking <laughs> at it. So that was fun. Hopefully they they jump back by, while we're recording this. We'll see. Last, yeah, last I remember, a Saturday night.
2: <laughs> I, I talked with Jeff Erickson about this earlier in the season. I watch live scoring and I do it early in the year. And This is fun. Like I said, this is why we do this. And that's mm-hmm. part of the fun is paying attention to what's going on. Even though I know watching standings at that point doesn't really matter. It's still fun to watch. I have gotten to the point where even if I am watching a game live and my closer comes into the game, can't, do I, it. Switch can't game. Do it. <laughs> I switch to a different game. Can't do it. I switch to a different game. I'm not watching my closers.
1: <laughs> can't do it. No way. Yeah. The only live standings I watch regularly are my head-to-head leagues and specifically my home dynasty league, especially now that playoffs start next week. I'm in the hunt in that league. So I'm watching that pretty regularly, like while we're recording it's over here yeah. on my right in my hand. So if I, you see my glance over this way, then I'm looking at the standings. If I look over this way, then I'm looking at our notes. So there's a little clue for you. Yeah. So those live standings watching those live stats all the time, but the, my NFPC leagues, the 15 of those, no. I'm not looking at those on a regular basis. I'm usually just checking in them on on, on the daily. Otherwise, I'd probably go nuts. Go
2: Another thing about this is fun, and we're watching baseball, and that's it's what's are baseball yeah. fans. Even though this isn't broadcast until after the game is over, because I am absolutely not a White Sox fan, is it okay to bring up the fact that Dylan Cease hasn't given up a hit through eight at this point? is that a jinx or the fact that does he have a strikeout though
1: happened? i was he had watching like that two he had two earlier <laughs> he he's not gonna get the. how am i supposed oh he's got oh, the okay. five strikeouts right. through eight i've got cease and ray on the same team robbie ray and at one point they had combined for four for like eight innings in one strikeout and i'm like that what kind of bizarre yeah. world are we living in right now <laughs>
2: Yeah, but it, Cease is definitely going to get to go back out there in the ninth. By the time this airs, we'll know what happened. But it, yeah, he's only at ninety-one pitches through eight, so they're
1: definitely going to give him a shot at this. He will. He he probably won't get the Maddox, but he will definitely get the shot in the weekend. Break that quote live, and then I will try to put this out (laughs) as soon as humanly possible. All right, let's get through it then. Let's get to it. You keep an eye on that, and I'll start scrolling through these news and notes, and maybe we can add a news item in at the very end talking about that. It probably won't affect Fab, (laughs) but it's fun to talk about for sure, because I have plenty of exposure to cease across my league, so I'm not upset about this let's talk about let's go into something a little bit more negative to start and maybe hopefully we can end on a positive note. And that is the news that Zach Wheeler, Kevin, will not be returning to the Phillies on Tuesday, which is what he was saying he was expecting he was targeting and then everybody else pretty much planning on that. Instead, the Phillies are going to hold off on letting him throw altogether until sometime next week, which has led, which would lead one to speculate that he may not return at all until maybe the following week at the earliest. Though, uh, Jason Martinez over at, at Roster Resource has him penciled in as the Thursday starter on his roster grid, he, Maybe he knows something we don't, or he's heard something else that hasn't come up yet. But with that news, what impact does that news have on your fab considerations for this Sunday? Are you cutting Wheeler? Are you holding, picking up any other Philadelphia pitchers, considering that he's at least going to miss another turn in the rotation? What's your plan here?
2: It makes it tough not knowing. Definitely not cutting Wheeler, at least till we see what happens this coming week. As you said, I saw that he's going to throw a bullpen sometime this coming week. So we, we have to wait and see what happens there because I don't believe he will be pitching Thursday or even this coming week. uh, If we don't even know which day he's going to throw a bullpen yet, and then they're going to want to evaluate him afterwards. So I'm not counting on him for this week. If I have him rostered, I'm not starting him this week unless we hear something definite before we have to get our lineup set on Monday, but it really does make things difficult. When you were speculating on the rest of the rotation, which I am because pitching for this coming week, if you're looking to add somebody, it's not pretty. If you're looking for a starting pitcher (laughs) for this week, but like I said, people probably already know who I'm talking about, but it's going to come up again later in the show.
1: (laughs) All right. We'll get there. Nice tease. Yeah, it's tough, man. We'll get to another question later, but like somebody gets hurt right now or continues to be hurt when you thought he were going to get him back earlier. It makes it really difficult not just to be like, listen, I'm scrimping and scraping I, like whatever I need to do to inch my way up the standings, whatever category, this guy's dead weight, even for one more week, even Wheeler, even a guy like Wheeler, because whether or not he, when he comes back, I'm still in the assumption he will come back, even from one or two starts as the Phillies are fighting for that, for that playoff spot. And he will come back. And even if they are in a position where they're going to clinch a playoff spot early, one of those wild card spots, they're going to want him to be warmed up and ramped up for the playoffs. So they're going to want yeah, him on schedule
2: there. and all that good stuff. Yeah.
1: But is that first start back going to be, as Nick Pollock calls it, a still ill, like where you're not going to want to put him out there for the very first start back because he's got an elbow issue. I think he was put on. Originally, it was something about his forearm. I was scrolling back to try to find it, couldn't find it, but it seems weird that it seems like it's all over the place and there's, hasn't been a ton of communication as to what exactly is wrong. It seems more precautionary. And now all of a sudden he's out for another week, at least I, 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 yeah, I'm with you. I'm holding on to him for another week, but I won't, my trigger finger is going to be a little bit, a little bit stronger, a little bit quicker to next Sunday. If we don't get any positive news from that bullpen. Right. All right, we got a return to the rotation, this time with the Mets. They got Carlos Carrasco back, and that speculates the end of David Peterson's run as the fill-in starter in New York. The upcoming schedule for the Mets is pretty favorable, so are you still holding Peterson? For those for those who picked him up while they were speculating on him entering the rotation, which obviously he did with that doubleheader, and then he pitched a couple more times. Are you holding on to him with the hope he makes his way back into the rotation, whether they go six man or he fills in for another injury, Carrasco gets hurt again or somebody else? What's your? Do you have any plans for Peterson or recommendations?
2: Yeah, I'm holding on to him and may even start him in a spot or two. I, I need to dig a little deeper, make sure that he's going to remain with the team. I believe thus far he has. They have sent him down at other points this season, but minor league baseball seasons have ended. We talk about our ratio guys later in the show. I think he fits in. I think he's going to be used. And every time this season that he's lost his rotation spot, he's gotten it back immediately. I'm not hoping for anything bad to happen to any of the other guys in the Mets staff, but I'm holding on to Peterson I think he can be useful even without getting back in the rotation. And as the season winds down, even if everybody remains healthy, he could get a spot starter too. So I'm definitely holding him.
1: Man, that schedule, man. The Mets schedule for the rest of the year. Just these matchups at Pittsburgh, at Miami, hosting the Cubs, hosting the Pirates. (laughs) They're at Milwaukee for three, but then they're at Oakland for three. They host Miami for two. Then they go to Atlanta for three and they end the season with three with hosting the nationals. So maybe there's two series in there that you're like, eh, I'd rather not, but man, it's too tempting. Even if he gets just that spot start in there, like just to right. give somebody, give Scherzer, give the a rest, stretch those guys out a little bit more, but keeping, obviously you're not going to skip them in the rotation altogether, but Carrasco just came back. Walker was having issues. It would make a whole lot of sense for the Mets. To give Peterson a spot start here or there, um, and so, the yeah, last
2: half week uh, of the season for roto leagues, where we play through Wednesday, mm-hmm. the final week of the season, you would teams are going to have uh, unless it's a game they have to win to get into the postseason. Oh, they're going to have their pitching lined up to start the postseason game. A guy like Peterson's probably going to get a start on that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of the final week of the season. Good
1: point. Yeah, and then so, yeah, and plus getting them against Washington, great. And then you let Scherzer and DeGrom face Atlanta the series before so that they're in line for those games one and two of the series, whatever series the Mets end up with. All right, let's go back to an IL placement. The Giants, they place Alex Wood on the IL. And this leads me to my question. I said earlier, have we officially entered the portion of the season where if any pitcher hits the 15 day IL as of today, should we be considering them droppable knowing that they're going to be out for at least the next two out of the next five weeks. And on on a very specific note, is there anybody in San Francisco that's going to be filling in that rotation spot with woods absence that you're taking a look at?
2: Yeah. I don't know who I like in San Francisco to take his spot and the giants are they're behind arizona now in the division standings
1: <laughs> what a so, difference a year makes
2: <laughs> yeah so it they're almost out of it they're not officially out of it yet but they're really close they're 10 games out of a wild card spot with 30 roughly 30 games to play they're probably out of it so not a lot of interest here and for that reason as well i think it's a case by case basis and this is the type of player in Alex wood that would be uh, on the bubble of whether I would consider dropping him or not at this point. I think the fact that the giants are pretty much out of the postseason race makes it an easy drop for me players a little better than Alex wood. And in a playoff hunt, completely different story. We just talked about Zach Wheeler. I'm holding him at least this week. And granted he's not on the 15 day I L Even if he was, it would still be tough to cut him loose if you think he's going to come back for two or three starts to get ramped up for the postseason. So it's a case-by-case basis, specifically in this case. Yeah, and I have Alex Wood in a lot of spots, and mostly it's draft champions leagues, but in the ones where it's not, in the fab leagues, he's probably on my drop list this week.
1: Yeah, I believe Gabe Kapler said that he's not convinced that Wood will pitch again this season as well. So keep an eye out for more official statements on that one before you make your your drops on Sunday. But I'm leaning toward Wood's probably going to the wayside for me. I actually don't know that I have any exposure. I might have, I'm might. i sure I have one or two here or there, but if in places where I can drop him, he's going to be a consideration. All right, a couple more IL spots here, Kevin. The Guardians, they placed Aaron Savali and Zach Plesak on the IL. Without getting too much into detail on the utter stupidity of one of those injuries, are there any fill-ins in Cleveland, especially with rosters expanding, that should be considered, especially with Cleveland, not like San Francisco, leading the division and trying to hold on to that playoff berth?
2: I don't think so. It appears... it This is tough. I It really looks like they're using Xavier Curry and Cody Morris in these couple of spots the rest of the way. Curry started today, wasn't horrible, but wasn't good. He gives up a lot of fly balls and doesn't strike anybody out. That just does not appeal to me. And Cody Morris has, has isn't really stretched out. I don't have interest in either one of these guys. It's really interesting because Cleveland's leading the division, and they're head into the postseason most likely and it's really going to be interesting to see what happens if if they don't get these guys back of course they got Bieber and Quantrill and McKenzie as their three but you would think they need another starter it's this is totally off the subject and doesn't have anything to do with our (laughs) fab really but I guess it could because he's very useful once again as one of those ratio guys we talk Mm -hmm. about later in the show and he's not the one we're talking about but how good Karen check has been when he was oh, so bad when sticky stuff went away last season. And there's been a couple articles written about there has to be something back that these guys are using again, that's right not getting caught when they get checked after every inning, because he has been so good for the past two or three months. It's just, it's uncanny. Team. That's completely yeah. off. It's, Completely off the subject for what we're talking about. Other than, yeah, you could use him as if you need a reliever to and hopefully vulture a win here or there. But yeah, as far as the starters go, (laughs) yeah, exactly. But as, as far as the starters go, I really don't have
1: interest here. All right. Yeah, there's been a couple of pieces of the Cleveland bullpen that have been pleasant surprises, obviously Class A topping them with all being this solid closer there. But between Stevens and now Karen Jack, some names to consider down the stretch for sure, especially if they do clinch up that central division, you might see a little bit more usage out of the bullpen, especially with all these these starters going down. All right. Let's get right into September 1st call-ups because that was the bulk of the transactions. We're not going to get into all of them, obviously. They're not all going to be useful to us. There's one that came up that wasn't a debut. So we had a couple of debuts. We'll get to those in a little bit. But one of them, big name. Not a debut is Detroit's Spencer Torkelson. He returns to the club after being sent down earlier in the year to work on some stuff in AAA. It seems as though he might have. He's doing better things in AAA. My question though is, will that translate to fantasy relevance for the final month of the major league season, Kevin? And Are you putting any stock into just the name recognition of Torkelson and, and, and the pedigree to help you down the stretch?
2: Not for the rest of this season. And he could perform well. He was at one of the best college bats we've seen in a long time. And I think he is going to be a great MLB hitter. And it could happen towards the end of this season. But the Detroit lineup is so bad. The counting stats just aren't there. And he's not hitting home runs. Even in the minor league, he's got 10 all year in over 450 plate appearances combined triple a and MLB five in each spot. So the strikeout rate has, is it's not awful, but it's still not great either at the MLB level. He hasn't walked nearly as much as he has in the minors, although it's, it's a 9.6% walk rate at the MLB level. It is nice, especially for a guy that has the potential to hit like he can. It's, I just think the lineup is so bad that unless you really think he's going to go on a home run binge, that's the only use he would have because he's not going to give you anything else.
1: Yeah, and since coming back, they've only been putting him in the seven hole as well. It's not as though they're throwing him right back into like cleanup or the top, even top half of the order. So if you're in the bottom half of the Detroit Tigers lineup, I don't care how good you are. (laughs) It's not doing much for you at this point until they turn things around. All right. It's appropriate that it comes up while we're talking about call-ups. We've got some new breaking news, if you will. At least I just noticed it. By the time you guys are all listening to this, you've all seen it. But uh, Tristan Cassis has been reported to be joining the Red Sox on Sunday, unfortunately. Fortunately, because now we get a whole week to see how he's going to be used. And you don't have to decide whether or not you want to bid on Tristan Cassis over... Gunnar Henderson or Corbin Carroll who we'll talk about next at least on the offensive side. So, are you the, the question I guess here is if you are interested in Torkelson. Doesn't you're not that interested in Torkelson, but you need first base help. Are you bidding a low number on Torkelson or another first base knowing that you've got Casas next week that could that you could save your money for or is this situation in Boston, even with Eric Hosmer, not apparently not progressing and not coming back anytime soon. The Cora said that he was going to be playing Christian Arroyo at first base on a regular basis with Bobby Dabach filling in every once in a while and Frenchie Cordero. So that's the situation in Boston at first base. And so it seems, though, you want Cass, He's well beyond the time where he is going to hit any kind of rookie wall. He's going to keep his rookie status for next year. He could, At this point, he could probably play every single day, get three at-bats, and still get rookie eligibility for 2023. So I don't think that's a concern. Are, do you see the Red Sox doing that, like playing him every single day? Like why call him up if they're not going to play him every single day? Or are there too many mouths to feed in at first base? in boston
2: unfortunately for you as a red sox fan they're completely (laughs) out of it so they're only doing this to get him more at bats, so a season doesn't come to an end right we mentioned earlier minor league seasons are over hey good he
1: missed a good chunk of it earlier yeah with injuries right
2: he's only had a little over 300 plate appearances all season and he was in the arizona fall league last year so I, i believe that rule is still in place he can't go again you're only allowed to go once i believe that's still a rule so yeah, they want him to play every day, and we know what he can do with the power. The big question will be, let's see what happens with his strikeouts at the major league level. Because it's right at that spot, especially at AAA this season, and like I said, a little over 300 plate appearances at 21.5%. If he can maintain that or it not go up much at the major league level, and he's definitely somebody that we can use with the power that he has. But that's that in that spot where it could really go the wrong way in quite a few percentage points. So that will be the, the determining factor. Not knowing that, yeah, I think he's someone you add. First, first base is not a spot where there's a lot of people available, unfortunately. There 15 team leagues, it hurt. When Eric Hosmer went down for some, for some teams, that's what we're talking about at Mm -hmm. first base. So yeah, absolutely. I think he's somebody we're going to be interested in. And yeah, when I saw him in the Arizona fall league last year, and he's a lot bigger in person than I had realized that he was, but not, not Dan Vogelbach big, like he's Aaron judge big. And so that's like who, literally who he reminded me of when I saw him walking through the outfield the first time I saw him I was like whoa I didn't realize this is what he looked like (laughs) so yeah I'm interested I've seen him in person and he performed pretty well there last season and the results haven't been there in the win column for Boston that's still a lineup that puts can put up some numbers so the counting stats could be there for him as well in the runs and RBI categories as well.
1: Yeah, I venture to guess that Boston's going to put him right into Christian Arroyo's seventh spot in the lineup with Story back from the IL and JD Martinez actually remembering how to hit, and Devers obviously hitting the ball again as well. There's no, there's nowhere for him to carve a spot in the top half of the lineup. But at the same time, he, I can't imagine he's going to, he's going to bat below Reese McGuire and, and Arroyo himself if he were to move into a different. Spot. maybe Hernandez moves up and Hernandez, he moves up and then he, it, one of the days that he's in lineup. So I like the fact that we get to see him for ultimately eight days in that lineup to see how they're going to use him, how many games he's going to play. Is he going to sit against lefties, yada, yada, all that. And so you get a better sense of what to expect for the final like three weeks of the year.
2: Also, this is a guy you should double check, even in NFPC formats, check and see if he's available in your league. He's rostered in 4% of main event leagues. I would venture to guess that he was drafted in more than that 4% because that's a long time to hold on to him. Or more likely, he's been picked up in recent weeks as a spec ad. Exactly. Hoping he gets called up, but he might not have been snatched up everywhere he was drafted. So it's worth taking a look.
1: Excellent point. All right, let's go to the big guys. As we alluded to earlier, I didn't allude. I just said it. We're going to talk about Corbin Carroll and Gunnar <laughs> Henderson. So two, if not the two top prospects in baseballs, they were called up this past week for the respective clubs. Diamondbacks bringing up Carroll, play the outfield, and the playoff fighting Orioles calling up utility man Gunnar Henderson. Yes, I'm calling him a utility man because he has already played second, third, and shortstop since being called up just a few days ago that is going to make it a little bit more difficult for him to gain extra position eligibility at least in the NFBC and other platforms because if he's jumping around the if he's jumping around to different positions, he hasn't played first base yet but he p- did play first base in the minors leading up to his call up he's going to be it's going to be difficult for him to get those 10 games at any one of those positions so there's very there's a strong possibility he just has shortstop eligibility through the rest of the season So we've talked about these guys in the last couple episodes of speculation that they're going to be called up after then there was an announcement that they were going to be called up and then they were here they are. So now that we've had a chance to see how the Orioles and the Dimebacks are utilizing these guys and how they've been performing in their short time in the major leagues, which one are you more apt to go out and get this Sunday? Again, I'm sure it depends on your team, what, what categories you're going after, yada, but which one looks like it's it's going to be more bang for your buck this Sunday night?
2: I, I think it's Henderson. I think he gets slightly more playing time. We've already seen it with Corbin Carroll and Arizona fans on Twitter. were in an uproar that he sat his third game. But this is what's going to happen as long as Cattell Marte is still taking up the DH spot. They have five outfielders. And yes, Corbin Carroll probably deserves to play more than any of the other four, but he's still going to sit once in a while. With the, the moving around that Henderson does and Baltimore being in the postseason race, I think he's going to get a little more playing time than Carroll, and that's the kicker. Of course, I'm putting bids in on both of them and a lot of supplemental reserve players in our bids this week. We'll talk a little more about that later as well. We're getting to that point, but it's that's the tiebreaker is playing time. Love mm-hmm. to have either one of them, of course.
1: Yeah, be bidding on both of them as well. You got to remember, I think we talked about this with the Welsh last week, but they're going to both sit. Yes, I agree. I think Henderson's going to get more playing time, but they, they, both teams need and want the rookie eligibility for 2023 so they can go gung-ho all year and get that, or at least place in the rookie of the year voting. They're yeah. going to sit unless both of them have a 20% walk rate. Because it is based on at-bats. They're, they both came up late enough where they're not going to be on the roster long enough. Well, I think it's like 42, 44 games or something like that. They're not going to hit that mark, but they might hit the, was it 130 or 140 at-bats that they hit need It's not plate appearances it's at-bats. So if they walk plenty, then sure, maybe they don't right. sit. Hit a couple sack flies in there as well. And something that doesn't count as an at-bat and they'll be fine. I think the Orioles and the Diamondbacks are going to play it a little bit carefully. It looks like, the, obviously, the Diamondbacks are already doing that with Carroll. Henderson is going to sit here or there. So just something to keep in mind. He might play every day. They are trying to get that playoff spot. But don't be terribly surprised if all of a sudden they decide, hey, this is a maintenance day or this is a regular day off. Or they're going to set him against this lefty or what have you. It's going to happen. And unfortunately... You can't just bid on Gunnar Henderson's hair all by itself. You have to (laughs) bid on the entire person because obviously if you have triple digits left in your fab, that's where it's going. It's just going for the flow.
2: Yep, definitely.
1: The Man does not like wearing a helmet. (laughs) All right. A couple other additions to their September rosters, the Astros and the Orioles again. Orioles just trying to call up all their best prospects this year between Adley and Gunnar Henderson and now DL Hall. He joins the, the bullpen in Baltimore. The Astros called up Hunter Brown, who initially was thought to be joining their bullpen as well. But now it's been announced that he's going to be starting for the Astros on Monday. Now, how long he goes into that game as a pure starter is we'll find out on Monday for sure. But he is on the roster. He's going to make his debut on Monday. Which Do you see either one of these guys putting up enough innings to warrant weekly plays from here on out rather than streaming a questionable starter? As you mentioned, they don't really exist all that much.
2: Yeah, I think so. Especially if the strikeouts translate for either one, right? I think they're in the conversation for the ratio guys. And fortunately, there's a lot of them. And we talk about this a lot there may be one or two you like better based on number of games being played and matchups for a week but this is if you have nobody you trust to use as a sixth or seventh starting pitcher in a rotation you can literally put 30 of these guys on your <laughs> bid list for a dollar and take the one exactly. you want. and i think both of these guys fit i 134 strikeouts for brown in 106 innings we've seen dl hall and he went back to the minors and he's coming back in a relief role i this isn't i don't think to get him work this is baltimore in a position to make a postseason that nobody thought they could and they believe that him helping them out of the bullpen gives them the best chance to win and make the postseason so I think they have that confidence in these guys. Same with Houston with the injuries they have with Verlander right now and a couple of their starters not performing as well as they would hope that he's going to be used to help them win games, not just to get in some extra work for this past month.
1: Yeah, I agree. I like I like to see Hall get in those multi inning Relief appearances as well to see, not to keep him stretched. If they make the playoffs, he's still not making the rotation, the playoff rotation. Their starting rotation has been pl- a very pleasant surprise, especially for us who have been streaming them for the last couple weeks, if not months, between Dean Kramer and Kyle Bradish and others. But since he obviously has been starting and has been stretched out, to see him go to even two and a third, even three innings, if, ap- if absolutely needed, wouldn't be a huge shock. And depending on his usage early on, you want to be bidding on knowing if he pitches on Sunday, we might not see him for a couple of days. But if he doesn't, if he pitches, doesn't pitch throughout the weekend, you almost treat him and other guys like him like a two-star pitcher these relievers that we're talking about, they don't pitch all weekend knowing that they could come into the game on Monday and pitch three times throughout the week instead of twice, or even four times. If they don't go too long in one of those appearances, you want to be looking at I, I, so something I look at when I am streaming in these relievers. And at least when I'm putting in the hierarchy of my bids for these $1 bids that, that you just mentioned that I couldn't agree with more as a strategy for fab, especially this time of year. But if the guys that, they all are pretty much equal. Then you want the guys who are going to put up the most innings and they're going to make the biggest dent. So the guys that are, didn't pitch over the weekend who have a better shot of coming in on Monday or Tuesday and then again on Thursday and then again on Saturday, maybe they go back to back on one of those days as well. And they get a fourth day in there. They have more of an opportunity to make a difference for you, especially in those weekly formats where you can't switch out your pitchers throughout the course of the week.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I was looking at this earlier today and it's amazing to look at what Baltimore has done and then just read the names of their starting pitching rotation. <laughs> it doesn't make, make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. So, a couple of weeks ago we were talking with Todd Zola about some things and he brought up Julio Urías in the past for the Dodgers was a guy that that he would be used for multiple innings in the postseason and I can foresee a scenario where that's what Baltimore wants DL hall to be able to do. Usually that's a couple of your starters that aren't, you aren't going to need to start games in the postseason, but so you can use them in those roles instead. But when you look at Baltimore's rotation, would you you choose your fourth and fifth starter? (laughs) Or do you think, Oh, D.L. Hall is stretched out. He's been starting in the minors, even though he got roughed up. He went over three innings in his one MLB start that he had back in mid-August. And so we know he can throw multiple innings. And so for this next month, they need to see if he's going to be able to perform at the level they need him to be in that role. So it's very likely, in my opinion, that he's going to get those multiple innings appearances that you're hoping for.
1: Austin Voth, Kyle Bradish.
2: (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Yeah, I tweeted earlier in the week when I was setting my lineups that I just put Austin Voth in a spot (laughs) for Justin Verlander, which sounds absolutely horrible. Now, Voth with the matchup that that he has this weekend is somebody that many, almost in every league, somebody was using him. But the fact that I was putting him in for Justin Verlander Mm -hmm. was just...
1: Oh, (laughs) mind boggling. Yeah, this is fun. (laughs) (laughs) This is why we play. All right, let's get away from the September call-ups. We've got two more notes here. Really quickly, something that just came through, obviously with his start today, returning from the I.L., Tyler Molly only went two innings. He was pulled from his start with right shoulder inflammation. I can't imagine that's good for one. In his, I mean, he was down, I think, two miles per hour on most pitches, if not just his fastball. Are you giving up, is it time to just give up on Molly, even without knowing if he's going to go back on the IL?
2: I think so, unless we get really good news before we have to have this done on Sunday evening for most leagues. Mm-hmm. The only thing is that would give me hesitation is Minnesota is still in the hunt they're only a game and a half back from the division behind Cleveland so that's the only thing they could really use male if he's healthy but yeah when you're making your return and two innings and it's, you're down in velocity it's if they're saying inflammation it hurts <laughs> if they already know that's inflammation they haven't had time to have him checked out he it doesn't feel good I can't agree. You said it perfectly. It can't be good. Yeah, I think so. Unless we get some mind boggling, encouraging news before Sunday evening, which I highly doubt.
1: Yeah, it's different than where my mind went with Andrew Heaney. He got scratched from his start on Sunday. and But there's no reason. There's nothing. Like, it wasn't even after his start. It was like a couple days after his start. And what's going on? What's going on? And then everything just clicked with everybody. Oh, that's right. The Dodgers are going to a six-man rotation. And then all of a sudden an announcement came out saying that he's going to start on Monday. Right. Collective sigh. Thank you very much. <laughs> this is not that. <laughs> this is something very tangible that we all saw happening. If you were watching the game and they've already made an announcement of why they pulled him. So you do what you want with Tyler Molly. If I've got him anywhere, I'm probably dropping him for somebody that's going to actually be useful over the next couple of weeks. All right. right, in um, a lot of
2: cases, he might be my last drop. But sure, sure. At this but. point in the year, all of my drops are getting dropped. Yeah. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if NFPC allowed me, I would go with I would go with one or two short in my roster at this point, yeah. just because. it's like, All right, that's fine. All right, last note here: Andrew Benintendi. He was placed on the IL for the Yankees with right wrist inflammation. Uh, of course, he's a hitter, so that's only a 10-day. So we'll see if he lasts a little bit longer than that or if he just goes the minimum, but at least he's going to be out for the next week. Bantendi, of course, he's been the everyday left fielder and hitting toward, if not at the top of the lineup for the Yankees ever since coming over from your Royals. So who fills that side of the outfield for at least the next 10 days. And is it going to be somebody that's going to assist the Yankees in remembering how to win games?
2: I think you put this in here just so we could enjoy the, <laughs> the implosion of the New York Yankees together. <laughs> I did no know such the thing. A. <laughs> it, their lead is down to four games. How crazy is that?
1: The best thing I saw was the freezing cold takes tweet or whatever that went out yesterday. It was like, MLB put out a graphic that's they're on pace at the beginning of August. It's like, they're on pace the Yankees are on pace for 120 wins. Or 180 wins. Or something. It was something crazy. Twenty wins, I yeah. think it was. And obviously that did not work out.
2: And they followed it up with the worst record in baseball for yeah. an entire month. It's <laughs> awesome. On. It's amazing. I think to to the disappointment of Yankee fans. This solidifies Aaron Hicks' position in the lineup, and I enjoy this so much. I enjoy like well until, he, until he runs into the wall. Twitter is watching <laughs> is watching Yankee fans just complain about this lineup on a day in and day out basis. But but he's gonna move over to left for the most part. I think Aaron Judge center field and. Then we got Oswaldo Cabrera, who we talked about a couple weeks ago. This probably solidifies his playing time in right field. It has for the past couple of games since Benintendi went down. That's probably what we're looking at. He hasn't done much yet. I wasn't really interested in him in the first place. I'm still not. I'm just enjoying the implosion and watching this lead sink. It was, they were upset that it was only six games and that was a day and a half ago. And now it's four. It's. Four. amazing. <laughs> yeah, I
1: don't, know. the decisions that are happening there, of course it was funny. Oswald Praza their one of their September call-ups got the start today at shortstop. And obviously Yankees fans are all clamoring for him to play every day and sit IKF and sit Taurus, whatever the Yankees put out. A tweet saying, MLB, coming up, start this game. And then somebody commented saying, no, that happened yesterday in the ninth inning as a pinch hitter in a nine to zero ball game. (laughs) Don't you remember? (laughs) And then the Yankees deleted their tweet (laughs) because they forgot that they played this guy already. Unfortunately that uh, that may be continuing to be the case for Peraza, one of their top one of their top prospects in their organization throughout the course of the year maybe they make right and he plays every day there but i wouldn't be prioritizing him over any of the other call ups based on That alone (laughs) and what we should be expecting from him moving forward. All right. That is going to wrap it up for our news and notes section of this episode. As always, we missed a whole bunch of stuff. Let's To keep up with all the news of the day, make sure you're listening to the First Pitch Podcast with Chad Young, Scott Chu, and Daniel Port. They break down all the news highlights and observations from every day's worth of games as well as looking ahead at each slate to keep you up to date with everything you need to know to win your fantasy league. Just a moment. We are going to break down or update a little bit our on the wire listener leagues as we get closer and closer to the end of the ceiling. And we are closer and closer to crowning our first ever champion of our 60 team league. Before we do that, we are going to take this quick break. all right, we're back. Of course, you are listening with on the wire. I am Adam Howe, joined by Kevin Hastings. And Kevin, we are let's let's take a Let's take a moment. Usually, this section of the pod, we need to talk a little bit about strategy, or we focus on the expertise of our guests, and we talk about some stuff that might be able to help a little bit more granular than talking about specific players. Right now, I just want to give some shout outs. I just want to give some shout outs. It's been a long season. It's not over. But we've had 60, we've had officially 60 teams in our on the wire listener league. And we got to come up with a better name for this next year, by the way, not just listener league, something more fun. So we'll be taking suggestions all off season, by the way. But for now, they're just the listener leagues. And we've had a couple, we have a couple teams in there that took more than one roster, you yourself and myself included. So there's roughly 60, maybe a little bit less individuals in here. But uh, overall, and we talked about earlier, I was looking at the overall standings before recorded. They have moved. Aha! I, ha- I jumped back over Lucas Berry <laughs> <laughs> since I made that comment. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give everybody the top ten, and it's only so that I can pat myself on the back because I'm listed on there twice. We have listener Dennis Timko. Followed by Kevin Hastings in the number two side. You guys are in the same league for that one as well. And you are only, you're only about 22 points part in the overall, which 22 points. Yeah, that sounds like a lot, but in the overall standings, that can definitely change, especially with only 60 teams in the overall contest. In third, at the moment of me recording this again, any of this can change while I'm recording this because there are games happening. Stephen Gusuelli, our friend and of the pod, of course, over at Winds Above Fantasy on the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I am in my third. It took me three drafts, apparently, to get to this spot. So in fourth overall is, is my third team <laughs> from the fifth league. Todd Zola, which is on the show the other day, he is in fifth. Lucas Beery, I keep mentioning, is currently in sixth. I'm sure by the time I'm done reading these off, he'll be in fourth. <laughs> Over me, Georgia Montanez is in seventh. Greg Jewett is in eighth. My second team in the third league is in ninth. And then Eric Davis rounding out the top 10 here with, let's see, 398 and a half points. That's less than 100 points Below the first overall in there. So, shout out to everybody in that top 10. And for those honorable mentions in there who are trying to jump in there, including ENC Ian, Ian, who is in 13th, John Fish in 15th, and a whole bunch of other guys. We'll keep an eye on that. We still have a couple of weeks left there. How, Kevin, talk to me about how you're, you have a league where you're leading, obviously, you're not in second overall. Oh, shoot. I was going to say, obviously,
3: your <laughs> second overall,
1: you must be leading that league. But unfortunately, if I'm not mistaken, the person now beating you in your league is the one also in first overall. <laughs>
2: in the yeah, O-A- that's Dennis Kim- Timco, excuse me. Shout out to him. Yeah, we've been going back and forth here most of the season. It's been really tight the entire way. We have a pretty comfortable lead over the third place team, but it's it's yeah, this was going to come down to the last half week of the season, most definitely, as we both keep going back and forth. You said I was leading this league. That was when we were talking less than an hour ago, right before we started <laughs> recording. And now he has a point and a half lead. That's the way it's been all season long in this league. That's been a lot of fun. So, yeah, shout out to Dennis, and hopefully he ends up in second
1: in the league yeah. and overall. <laughs> just because we're hosting it doesn't mean we don't want to win guys. I'm just going to throw uh, that. Exactly. Out
2: there. <laughs> By the way, unlike you, you have two top 10 overall teams. I am in three of these leagues and both of my other two I am in 10th place in 12 team leagues. It just hasn't come together for me in those two leagues. I have one to really concentrate on at down the last month of the season while you have two of them.
1: Well, I don't know if this is luckily for me or not, but like these two that I'm doing well in are, of course are two of my fab leagues and they are the ones that I have the best shot in cashing in of most of my leagues. So I have to spend, I wish I was doing better in my DCs. <laughs> Obviously, the payout is better and all that, but the I wouldn't have to. I'm putting more effort into my Fab leagues because I'm doing well in them, <laughs> and so more effort, more stress. That's exactly what we all need at this time of year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, the, in one of the leagues I'm leading, it's me. the Same situation. Lucas Berry and myself have going back and forth in the fir- first and second place. Alexander Chase uh, and Eric Davis are right, right behind us as well. But we'll that'll be the one that I know is gonna happen is I'll lead all week in the final week and then some Lucas will do something and jump me out look on was it a Wednesday? I'll look on Wednesday night and like all right, looking to looking to count all the things that I've won and I'm down a peg. (laughs) So we'll see how that one ends. Got John Fish right behind me in league three. As well, that one's a little not as close as the bear We haven't been going back and forth. We're only three points behind, three points apart, but we've got a decent lead over Shelley for straight in third place. Almost ten points behind me in first place as well. So that's that one. And then League One, that's the one. Gris- uh Griswelly is leading us. Him and Jorge Montenyes are going back and forth on that one they're only they're one and a half points apart from each other with Greg jewett right behind them as well about four points back so what what's the other league that you're in that you are not leading
2: uh that's the one that we talked about with todd zola a couple weeks ago he's Mm -hmm. leading fairly comfortable league and he talked about starting to concentrate on the overall a little bit because of his comfortable league but his lead has shrunk to eight points. He may back off of that a little bit, depending on how he looks in categories over the next couple of weeks, I would expect, because I'm sure when he if he hasn't looked at it so far this week, when he goes to start doing his fab for the upcoming week and notices, oh, my my leads down to eight points in the league, maybe I need to take a second look here and that's a good thing to bring up that's something to keep in mind as you're checking things out but still a fairly comfortable lead with only four and a half weeks to go eric Samolski in second place in that league and david odom in third they are the two other teams with over 80 points 80 and a half and 85 and a half as not too bad a point accumulation for a 12 team league there
1: Yeah. The other thing I wanted to just mention, I talked, we talked about this before we started recording. I think it's interesting to see where fab lands, or at least our budgets land, especially in these 12 teamers. And I know a lot of people who play a lot of 15 teamers have a hard time balancing their 12 team budgets because it's just bidding in the 12 teamers is so different than in the 15 teamers, especially in the more versus less competitive leagues in league one. Cedric Swelly leading that league has $0 left. So he is running with what he's got (laughs) the rest of the Mm -hmm. way and crossing his fingers. But it's good to see that right behind him, George only has $3 left and Greg Jude only has $15 left. Now, I want to just compare that to league three, one of the leagues that I am leading. In third place, Shelly, she has $35. John Fish has $133 left. So that's he's in a decent spot, especially if he's just going to carve out $20, $25 each week throughout the course of the rest of the season. But I still have $605 left. Whoa. In. I've had much. Uh, so I'm going to be overspending a whole lot, fair warning to everybody else out in that league over the course of the rest of the season. So if you see some guys who should have gone for a dollar, go for $45, it's because you can't take it with you guys. I got to spend it somehow. <laughs> I'm getting everybody I want this week. I'm just going to say that <laughs> same can be said about in my, in League five, I have $505 there. But Alexander Chase still has $822. He's sitting in third place. So if he wanted to, he could. That's not quite the hammer. That's the thing is like a lot of these leagues, you'll see in this league alone, there are three teams with over $950 left. In the first, in in League three, there is a team with a $1,000 left in their budget. In League one, there is one team with nine hundred and ninety-seven dollars left in their budget. And these are all teams at the bottom three of the league. So these will hap this will happen in- especially in 12 teamers where teams check out at some point in the season. And that's a whole I maybe mean, we talk about that next week and like the etiquette there is of climbing back in when you are plainly out. And, and obviously it works differently in a head to head league than it does in a to league or a league that cashes and a league that doesn't cash. So I think that's a whole nother section of a podcast. So we don't need to get into it. But what's the fab situation in those two other leagues that you're in?
2: I'm in a tough spot in in, in the league where I'm battling to hopefully come out on top. I have $2 left. There it is. Uh, <laughs> I have $2 and uh, and I have Alex Wood in that league probably spending a dollar on a list of 45 pitchers this week <laughs> right. to, to make sure I get one of them. And Dennis has $191, which is mid pack. But like you said, some of those up above him probably have checked out at this point. So he's in a really good spot having $191 left in fab and battling for the overall championship here. Yeah, that's the least amount of money I have in any of my NFBC leagues. I am out of money in one other league, but that is a league that does have $0 bids, so I can replace injured players. This is by far the worst shape I'm in in any league as far as FAB is concerned.
1: This happened in most of my 12-teamers last year as well, for me, where I found myself with just, oh, that's right, I have (laughs) way too much money. I don't know what to do with myself here. I found myself bidding like $120 in the final week of fab on somebody <laughs> again. Can't tell you. This me. is That's the fine.
2: league. So this is the league. I don't think I brought it up on the show. I tweeted about it the night. Dustin may Dustin may weekend. Every one of my leagues except one, he went for triple digits and that one was close to triple digits. And the backup bids were close in all of Mm -hmm. those leagues. I got him for $101. This is two weeks ago. And so that's why I'm out of money. But the runner-up bid was $3. Oof.
1: (laughs) That's how it works, man. That's how it (laughs) It works. (laughs) That's the stress of FAB, especially in a (laughs) 12-teamer. All right, let's talk about some of those fab options, some of those players that I will be getting in all of these leagues <laughs> if I need them, if I need them. That's the other thing. You got to you, if you're listening to this and you're in one of these leagues with me, you really need to be checking my roster to see what I need in the in these situations. Like if I don't need stolen bases, I'm probably not spending all my money on Corbin Carroll. That's probably not the direction I'm going to go in. And so that doesn't go from just me. That goes for all of your competitors. Know where you might need to up your bid based on those above you and around you in the standings that might be going after a similar type of player or those who are above you that they don't care. They're not going to they might throw a keep your honest bid on there just because. But at this point, you don't even do keep your honest bits. Like at this point in the season, you're only worried about what's going to help you and you alone, uh, unless you're in such a good shape that you can play defense and you can try to keep players away from other teams. More than likely, you're focusing on the categories that are going to help you. So just that little tidbit in there to keep you remind you of all the things that you need to be looking for if you're doing fab correctly, or at least to the fullest extent. Let's talk about some of those players though, in some of those categories, Kevin, I'm going to skim through some of mine and I'd love to get your take on them, whether or not these are guys that are worth, worth going after, but their names that stuck out based on the fact that, so again, we're going to start with our power category. So the guys I'm going to mention, they are both playing in Colorado for half the week with one of them playing obviously with the Rockies. All week long. That's Michael Toglia. We didn't talk about him as a member call-up, but he was called up by the Rockies. Obviously, don't they have a certain stigma in the fantasy industry of not exactly playing right by their young players, their young prospects. But Toglia has played. He has started all the games that he's been on the roster for, playing first base for the Colorado Rockies. They have six games at home next week. Taglio with plenty of power upside, putting up plenty of power in the minors. Sure, he's had some power-friendly places as well in AAA, but he's just moving into another power-friendly uh, environment in Colorado. They're not playing every game in Colorado, obviously, but this week, that's all we worried about. The other half of that is they're hosting the Milwaukee Brewers, who I think are going to come up quite a bit. In this podcast. And as weird as it is, I feel like we've talked about him quite a bit, but and Hira still available in plenty of spots is playing on a regular basis, not just in that platoon role. I know everybody's going after him last week or recently when they were going to, the Brewers are going to be facing a bunch of lefties, even though here is lefty splits are terrible. Mm-hmm. The Brewers still play him against lefties on a regular basis. That doesn't seem to be an issue right now, especially with the Rowdy Telez getting hurt. Obviously, he was back at DH, but he has still been playing first base for the Brewers in Colorado. And here's just been smacking the ball like crazy. And in Colorado, if you're on a roll, that's usually a recipe to keep it going. Do you see either one of these guys being decent targets for those who Togley is available everywhere because pretty sure nobody drafted him at this point. And Hira has been chipping away at his roster percentages over the last two or three weeks. Is this the fact that these guys are playing in Colorado for most of the week, if not the whole week, enough at this point, especially at first base?
2: Yeah, definitely. Toglia, we've talked about it quite a bit about my opinion with Colorado players in general. Only play him at home, not Mm -hmm. on the road, even the superstars. So the schedule works out in our favor here. You can use him for two of the next three weeks. And then for the last week and a half, you drop him. I will not use him on the road. It helps. That's a five-game week next week that Colorado plays. Makes it even easier. You're not even going to (laughs) consider using him on the road for a five-game week. Yeah, he's great. And then here, yeah, you brought up the reverse splits. And Milwaukee has a lot of games coming up against a lot of right-handed starters. So he is definitely... On my list for Sunday night as well.
1: Yeah, it doesn't hurt as we're going to talk about later. Their schedule for next week gets their doubleheader against San Francisco on Thursday, plus the three games in Colorado. So be targeting a lot of Milwaukee hitters throughout the course of the week in your daily leagues and in for fab this coming week, those that are still available out there. But besides the guys that are playing in Colorado this week, who, who might you be looking at to add some pop?
2: Okay, my first guy is 100% rostered in 15 and 12 team leagues in FBC format. But Randall Grichuk, talking about Colorado and splits, is available in over half of Yahoo leagues. At home this season, he has hit 327 and has nine home runs, 44 RBI, 33 runs scored. 235 plate appearances. The RBI there, that's 120 RBI pace over a full season. Versus left handed pitching, he's just as good as he is at home. He's 319 on the season, and this is including the away games versus left handed pitching, hitting 319 with seven home runs, 30 RBI in just 151 plate appearances. Again, 120 RBI pace. So he really drives in runs both at home and when facing left-handed pitching. They are at home for six games this week, and half of those games are scheduled against left-handed starters. Also, going back eight days now, today is the third consecutive game versus a left-handed starter that he's been in the leadoff spot. So Grichuk is even getting more plate appearances when facing lefties now as well. To me, this is a no-brainer ad in those shallow leagues where he's available for this coming week. Maybe even hold on to him in two weeks for that five-game road week so you can use him again the following week. He's definitely usable two of the next three weeks, and then he's a drop for the last week and a half of the season, in my opinion. A guy that's more widely available, Adam, did you know that we had a guy this week hit a home run for his first major league hit and kept his helmet on.
1: Oh, no way that doesn't happen.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Spencer steer. And he has shown quite a bit of power over the past couple of season in, in in the minor leagues. I typically don't, Listen to other fab shows until after we record, but I was out running some errands today. So I was listening to our buddies, Lou Landers and Lucas Beery and Lucas Beery loves Spencer Steer. So that's just a confirmation bias for me. It makes me think that this is the right move here. He had 24 home runs and 82 RBI across two levels in 2021. In 2022, he has at this point, including his one major league game he's played so far, 24 home runs and 82 RBI eight. <laughs> and it took him eight more plate appearances to get there. Uh, the <laughs> kicker here is we were talking about schedules and you're talking about an eight game week for Milwaukee next week. Cincinnati has two doubleheaders and not a day off. So they play nine games next week. All Cincinnati Reds with a pulse will be picked up in leagues next weekend. So I'm trying to grab a couple of them a week ahead. Four of those games are at home against Pittsburgh pitching as well.
1: Yeah. Looking ahead in this scenario, still very valid. we're not talking about two star pitchers anymore, but this is still a valid point as going back to Gritchik, I, I just want to reiterate that we are either at the start or just before head to head playoffs and looking at these weekly matchups in those scenarios is so incredibly useful and important. You do not need to be holding on to anybody who only has five games in a week, even in the Daily Moves League. If you have a guy that's going Monday and Wednesday, going, they're off on Monday and Thursday and you have to win that week, they're o- almost useless unless they're a superstar. You know what I mean? Unless they're on a street, like they're just undroppable. But most of those players especially later on in those playoff scenarios Gritchik is with this kind of schedule that you're talking about with the way what he's been doing and what you expect him to do definitely a good shout out even though like you said he's rostered in most if not all of those 15 and 12 tweemers at least on the NFBC format all right, let's talk a little bit about speed. And I do want to get a little bit into a little bit more detail on, so I'm not going to give, I'll give out a couple players that to target here. But what I want also to, con, I want people to consider is not only, not specifically also looking for specific players that might steal a base, but look at the pitchers that are pitching that are going to allow players to have the opportunity to steal a base. So looking at Mike Clevenger, Nick Pavetta, Glenn Otto, Carlos Rodon, Mike Minor, Sandy Alcondara, and our favorite Noah Syndergaard, all of these guys, and I'll list them off again in a second. They have at least 80 innings pitched on the season. They have a stolen base uh, attempt percentage. That is the amount of times players who have base runners who have had an opportunity to steal have actually taken that taken that opportunity and run with it, literally over 8% of the time, which is well above average. And then they also have a stolen base percentage of over 80%. So over 80% of the runners have made it safely to the next base. The top three of those, who, of those who have the highest, what I call, SBO per PA, that's stolen base opportunities that is, again, defined by a base runner who is at first or second, and they have the next base in front of them open, and at least one pitch has been thrown. So obviously, if... The pitcher throws the first pitch and they hit the ball in play. That wasn't, he could never have taken a stolen base. So you have to take that into account. They are Glenn Otto, Mike Miner, and Mike Clevenger of those three. So they've given the most opportunities per plate appearance to their base runners. Clevenger is going to be facing the Dodgers on Saturday, at least tentatively. Glenn Otto is at Houston on Tuesday. Nick Pavetta is at Tampa Bay on Wednesday. Mike Miner's at the Cubs on Wednesday. And the two I'll focus on here are Noah Syndergaard and Sandy Alcantara. They face each other on Thursday in Philadelphia. I'm looking at Bryson Stott, who's still 83% rostered in 12 teamers on the NFBC and the online championships. So still available in almost 20% of those leagues. Brandon Marsh is a little bit of a sleeper here. Has stolen a base somewhat recently in the last two weeks. Does have nine on the season. So he can run, and if he's given the opportunity against Sandy Alcantara, he very well could. He's playing every day, especially with Castellanos not playing regularly right now. 31% rostered in the online championship in those 12-teamers, still available in some 15-teamers as well. And then you have Joey Wendell, 47% rostered in the online championship against Noah Syndergaard on Thursday. Joey Wendell's a threat to run as long as he's getting the playing time in Miami, regardless of who the pitcher is. But you put him up against... Thor, and it could get dirty. And obviously John Birdie's there, but he just got hurt. He's also rostered everywhere based on what he did (laughs) two months ago. And so keep an eye on all of those rosters, anybody who might be available, honestly, on the Dodgers, on the the Astros, Tampa Bay, Chicago Cubs, Miami, and Philadelphia, because they at least have one really good matchup throughout the course of the week. And if you're playing in dailies, moves leagues, These guys are all pitching on almost on different day, almost every day of the week. So you've got some, you've got some options to stream if that's, if that's in your bag. So without all that in mind, Kevin, is there anybody else out there that, again, it's not only about your stolen bases. I will say Brandon Marsh batting ninth. That's another, that was another key aspect. He will have an opportunity to score runs in the nine hole. He might not get as many at bats as somebody toward the top of the lineup but still in a puts himself in a position where he could score some runs anybody else gonna scoring some runs for us this coming week
2: yeah I'm going back to the Cincinnati Reds here they have six games this week nine the following week and TJ Friedel since he came back to the team on August 17th has hit 386 and only one stolen base in the time but three home runs. He's not really a power guy. This could be a fluke, or this could be an added bonus here. 10 RBI and eight runs scored. He sits versus lefties. But with this upcoming schedule that the Reds have, it appears they will face five out of six right-handed starters this week, and at least seven of the nine the following week. And that's just looking at, I'm not trying to pencil in two weeks from now who's starting what day but there's only two left-handed starters on the teams they play for mm-hmm. that nine game week sure. it's looking good for the playing time that he was stealing more bases in his first stint with the club earlier in the season he was he is six four six 6 on the season with one it's only been 50 plate appearances since he came back up i foresee him getting more opportunities and being turned loose. Cincinnati's not in the race. This is the time of the year. Typically in September, we see bad teams attempting more stolen bases. I guess I should probably... Put some numbers to that and make sure that it's actually true instead of just saying it because it seems like that's the case when i watch the
1: games that's but I'm not why confident. people come here <laughs>
2: <laughs> i'm pretty confident that is the case so it, at least i have confidence that i think they will turn him loose over the past the last month of the season and the fact that he's getting on base is great i part of the reason he hasn't attempted a lot of stolen bases I believe is he's hitting in the seven hole with a couple of really bad hitters behind him. So if there's two outs, when he's on base, they're not going to risk him being unsuccessful and having that guy lead off the next inning. So that's probably part of it. So a move up in the lineup would help, which if he continues to do what he's doing right now is possible over the last month of the season.
1: Yeah, he's, he's also not doing himself any favors in the fact that he's only walked twice since his call-up as well. So if he's going to get on base, he's got to keep hitting, which to your point, he has. He's collected at least one hit in all but three of his, of his appearances since being called back up. I love the fact that Frito's probably not going to get sent back down (laughs) Uh, because the last time we recommended Frito, I think I recommended him was during that last stint with the club and he was literally sent back down after I put him on just about every team that I I could. So I I might be taking a look at him where I need him knowing that he'll still be on the roster (laughs) by the time he enters my, by the time he gets onto my rosters. All right, let's talk about the schedule coming up. These are, Obviously extremely important, especially in September, to get as much playing time as humanly possible. There are a few games, few teams that have a seven day work week that includes the Yankees, Chicago White Sox. Minnesota, Washington, Milwaukee, San Francisco, and St. Louis all play all seven days with Milwaukee and San Francisco playing a doubleheader on Thursday, giving them eight games. Colorado is home all week. They have three with Milwaukee and then off on Thursday, three with Arizona over the weekend before going on the road the following week. Looking ahead, Toronto and Baltimore, they have a doubleheader this coming Monday. They also have Toronto, also has another doubleheader with Tampa Bay next week. So, plenty of at bats over the next two weeks for Toronto hitters. With Cincinnati, as Kevin mentioned, getting two doubleheaders, not this coming week, but the following week, that gives them nine games on that week. So, look ahead for that. Atlanta this week is the only team that has a five day work week being off on Monday and Thursday. With that being said, I'm going back to the well. On this recommendation, just to keep an eye out, Jace Peterson, he started at third base in five of the last six games for the Brewers since coming back from the IL, kind of bumping Luis Urias down to a bench roll. Again, with the three games in Colorado, the doubleheader on Thursday, even if he misses one of those days, he's going to get plenty of plate appearances, plenty of at-bats. And when he gets volume, Jace Peterson has shown that he can contribute in, 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 All aspects of the game, including a little bit of speed in there as well. So just the volume that you're going to see out of that, Jace Peterson, at least make sure he's in your waterfall bids and your conditionals as somebody who could get you some volume at multiple positions. That's the key spot about Jace Peterson. He's available at multiple positions and he's playing what seems to be every day for the Brewers, at least as of now. We'll see how that works out throughout the course of the week. Just keep it going. Keep going with the Brewers. Just go down the Brewers lineup, Kevin. Who else you got?
2: (laughs) Absolutely. And a Brewers lefty with all the right-handed starters they have coming up, like I mentioned. Garrett Mitchell hitting in the nine hole. Hitting in the nine hole isn't too bad for a team that – Then has Christian Yelich, Willie Adamez, Rowdy Telez, Hunter Renfro coming up behind you. He hasn't hit the ground running at the MLB level. That's for sure. He's striking out over 40% of the time. It's only seven games. That's where I'm going here. This would be really hard to put him in your starting lineup right away this week. However, that trip to Colorado, it's not just power in colorado and in fact it's more uh, about the massive outfield than the home runs for the run scoring environment we have there this i think is really what he needs to get going he has had fairly high strikeout rates in the minors in the past, but nothing close to this over 40%. He's got through just seven games. So if he's putting the ball in play in Colorado, he's going to get on base. If he gets on base, he's going to steal bases. 34 stolen bases in just 64 games across A AA and A so far this year. We know those minor league stolen base numbers are inflated, but that's still an amazing number. So, yeah, Garrett Mitchell sticking with the Brewers, like you said, especially with all the right-handed starters they have on the schedule over the next couple of weeks.
1: All right, let's get into our pitchers. And to start with pitchers, Kevin, we got to bring we got to round it back to the White Sox. You officially did jinx it. Dylan Cease did not get his no hitter. He went eight and two thirds of no hit ball. Luis Arias, of course, of all of all players, pokes a single and then faces and then he gets the strikeout to get he did end with seven strikeouts so i will i'm appreciative of that he got the win got the complete game all those extra points um but i do blame you for the for breaking up the no-hitter even though this won't go out for hours and hours after the game has already ended
2: (laughs) being a fan of uh division rival i apologize to no one except (laughs) mike carter i do apologize to mike carter friend of the show love mike uh, and Everybody that follows him on Twitter knows how he, how much he's agonizing over the White Sox performance. However, it, all of a sudden, as bad as they have been, they're two and a half games back. So they have a legitimate shot to, to make the postseason. And then with some of the starting pitching they have, as bad as they have been for as much of this season that they have looked horrible, that's the kind of team you don't want to face if they do make the postseason with some of the starting pitching they have.
1: Yeah, now Dylan Cease has really cemented himself as probably the front runner at this point for Cy Young with his performance. We are not that kind of podcast. I get that. It's not our normal conversation, but we do tend to go off onto tangents when it's just you and me, Kevin. So I just want to throw that out there with Verlander and Panahan being on the shelf for... Who knows how long? Maybe the rest of the regular season. We'll see. He has an opportunity to step it up there and get himself into that conversation. He's already in the conversation, but to get himself above that conversation in a one hitter, two walk performance, seven strikeouts is, is not going to do him any harm in that regard. Definitely. All right. Let's talk about some of the guys that might be available. I'm going to start off because he's probably not available in most places. So I'll let you get to somebody that's a little bit more readily available. I just want to shout out to, even though he had not that great of a start this past week, Jose Quintana looked really good with St. Louis. He has two really good matchups. He does have a two start this week. As long as things all stay the way, stay the course he is 93% rostered in the online championship so 100% in the main event but 33% rostered in yahoo so in these leagues that are mostly daily moves leagues readily available i would i would grab him today by the time you're listening to this Sunday. So yeah, sure. Grab them on Sunday, even if you don't need them for Sunday. If you're in a same day move, just to make sure you get them into your roster for that Monday start and take advantage of those. We talked about this so much, right? With with Todd and even last week with Chris, the two starts are only as good as the matchups in which they are putting forth. And St. Louis has not as good of a schedule as the Mets, but at least this coming week, it's looking really nice with the matchups that he's got. So Jose Quintana, if available, he is available in 7% of online championships. So those 12 teamers out there, he should be picked up readily. And I will tell you if he's available in the, on the wire leagues, he will not be (laughs) (laughs) where I have any say in in the matter this coming week. So I'm already might roster him in at least a place or two, because I know we've talked about him more than a few times, especially after the trade to St. Louis. But. Kevin, give me somebody that might be a little bit more readily available in most scenarios.
2: Yeah, I'm picking on Washington Nationals here as well. I wish he also had a start against Pittsburgh. That would be yeah. great, but he doesn't. <laughs> he has the one big start. Now, this is really intriguing to me. And I'm talking, there's quite a bit here I'm talking about Bailey Falter. And this is the whole Zach Wheeler thing. Is he going to pitch later in the week? I really don't think so. It, makes it hard to roll with falter when there is that slight possibility, but I really don't think Wheeler's going to have a start this week. If he doesn't, it's going to be Bailey falter. He's 92% rostered in 15 team main events, but only 6% rostered in 12, 12 team online championships, huge gap just going from 15 to 12 team leagues. Less than 10% on Yahoo as well, a, a little higher rostered at 9%. But Falter has been pretty good. In general, he's been pretty good all season. And even more so, he's been good, especially against bad teams in recent weeks at Arizona. Six and a third, one earned run. He did give up three runs versus Pittsburgh, but still got the win. He only gave up a run against the Mets, another start at Pittsburgh, two earned runs, all of these, at least six innings, his four most recent starts. And he, he's he got 23 strikeouts o- over that time period, just under a strikeout an inning for the season and recently. And I really think he's going to get this start versus Washington later in the week that i don't believe wheeler will get that it's like i said it's tough rolling him out there not knowing for sure he's probably not going to be listed as a starter for the week anywhere when we set our lineups on monday so this (laughs) takes a little bit of faith but we talked about there there's nobody out there available especially in 15 team leagues, if you're in one of the handful of 15 league team leagues where he's available, a guy like this, I'm definitely rolling the dice on.
1: Yeah, I don't always love to put your faith into high fly ball pitchers, but when you have the Philadelphia defense behind you, a fly ball pitcher it might be better than a ground ball pitcher. <laughs> in most scenarios, his 48.6% fly ball rate is not that bad, even though it's increased over the last couple of years, even through the minors. When your ground ball rate is only is under thirty five percent, I know there's a highlight out there right now with uh, I think it's Stott and Segura uh, turning a double play, and that looked really nice. But in general, there's a reason why Zach Wheeler probably should have better a uh, stat line than he does <laughs> in general. But uh, let's talk about some guys that are going to chip away at our ratios. The guy, I'm going to be looking at it. Might be on my list of forty five pitchers, and we've already talked about a few of them. But another one to add on there is Taylor Rodgers, again, sticking with Milwaukee, even though he'll be pitching in Colorado for three days. Still, the eight games, the doubleheader on Thursday gives him plenty of opportunity to get into the game. He might even vulture a save throughout the course of the week from Devin Williams. His last seven outings. He's only faced four more batters than the minimum through seven and two thirds innings in 11 total appearances for the Brewers. He's only given up earned runs in two of those appearances, and he's only walked a total of two batters as well. Again, he should be in line for more innings with the extra games on the schedule, and he's been pitching really well. He's been pitching just as well as he was in San Diego, if not better. Maybe it's the lack of pressure. Maybe it's just a new environment. I don't, it doesn't really matter. He has an opportunity to help you out in a category. He's definitely not going to hurt you. In best case scenario, he walks himself in, into a win or he vultures a save from Williams when he's pitched too many games in
0: a row.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I got another guy that I'm adding to those lists and probably fairly high on, on the list due to the schedule upcoming. That's Brad Hand in philadelphia 23 percent rostered in 15 team nfbc leagues 13 and 14 percent in yahoo and 12 team nfbc leagues so widely available pitching very well of late and their upcoming schedule is miami washington and then miami again so another guy that could vulture a win vulture a save Either or, maybe one of each, and has been performing well of late. And I think it gets overlooked because of the mess in general that the Philadelphia bullpen has been. But he's pitched well all season long. He's got a 2.04 ERA for the season. So, yeah, Brad Hand's definitely going to be on those 45 pitcher lists that we're putting together (laughs) for Sunday night.
1: Oh, I can't wait to see the results of those. Let's talk about (laughs) more guys that are going to probably be on that list, but they might have more of a chance at our favorite category, and that is saves. I I got into the sheet early to make sure I could get the low-hanging fruit here, and that is Jimmy Herger of the Angels, who seems to be the clear favorite for saves in Anaheim now, getting their last three opportunities within the last, I think, within five days of each other. They've got three versus Detroit and then three at Houston. If they're winning any games in Houston, they're probably going to be by a small margin, giving him more opportunities for saves. But then throughout the course, over the next week and a half, they've got series against Cleveland, Seattle, and Texas. So no team that really stands out as a powerhouse that's going to take the sweep. The Angels, as bad as the Angels have been lately, they they still have two prominent players in their lineup that can, and Mike Trout. And of course, I'm talking about Ringifo in there as a top two. So they, they can definitely take some wins there. He's going to be bid on everywhere. So just make sure that if you need saves, he's top of the line as far as somebody who has found himself in a role that is getting him regular work. And then just as a shout out, Josh Hader, 79% roster in the main event. And that's all after last week, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> as Kevin <laughs> reminded me before recording. So over 20% leagues in the main event, those 15 teamers, Josh Hader probably will be bid back up for by teams who are desperate for saves. And he did get a save last week after Nick Martinez pitched two days in a row and three of the previous four. That's not to say that, honestly, all, with all the write-ups I keep seeing about Nick Martinez, and I know we talked about him last week, and the week prior, he actually hasn't looked that great. The day he got a save after pitching, I think, a one and a, a third, like all of his inherited runners scored in, in when he came in the eighth inning. He's also let up runs in his last save as well. So just keep in mind if the Padres think Josh Hader has been fixed, Josh Hader will be the closer in San Diego. Simple as that. I'm not saying you go out and drop Nick Martinez this week, but just don't be surprised if all of a sudden Haters moved right back into that role. Do you have any disagreement there, Kevin?
2: Not at all. That that sounds exactly right. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm going to be careful with Hater. He's been on my bench for a while in the leagues that I have him. I don't think I'm starting him again yet this week unless I'm desperate for saves. In that case, I'd probably see what happens throw them in there and see what happens we're at that point my, my favorite one of my favorite scenes in the movie major league uh, is when jake taylor the catcher says, all right ricky let's get nasty we're at that point the fantasy baseball yep. season we got to do things that may not be the smartest move but if you have a hunch and you're desperate it, the risk could be your worth desperation shows yep, yep yep sure exactly <laughs> So yeah, that, that's where I'm at there. I agree with most of what you, most everything you said. Another guy, same list. Could have talked this about this guy in the ratios category, but he had, does have eight saves on the season, has gotten half of them since August 1st. Got another one today versus the Yankees. That's Jason Adam in Tampa Bay. We typically, we know what Tampa Bay does. But he's definitely on the list and a 116 ERA and 0.64 whip on the season. He's been amazing and he gets his share of the save opportunities. And he's 98% rostered in 15 teams, but only 33% in 12s. And then right at 50%, and Yahoo, it bounces back up probably due to a couple of his nice performances this week in the leagues where he could was, was added over the last few days. But, yeah, Jason Adams has been phenomenal. He's not going to get every save opportunity, but he'll get some of them.
1: Yeah, but who will in Tampa Bay? Who will get every save? Pete Van Bakes is back, and he's been lights out, and they have. I think Jason Martinez over at Russell Resource has like four or five guys in the committee there. If you're gonna gain, if you're gonna go after one of those guys, at least make it a guy like Adam, who's going to be lights out in every other scenario, even if it's not a closing situation. All right, final category, wild card category. I'm going back to the for this one, and just a reminder, Wander Franco is still available in a couple of leagues where he hasn't been picked back up after doing this rehab. Might have been dropped again when he was when he had to take some time off. His rehab restarts on Sunday. It's been announced he's going to go back to Durham and I, who's to say when he'll come back, but if you do want some little ratio stabilization in, in your lineup, Franco's going to do that. He may not add a whole bunch of power down the stretch, especially with that wrist injury coming back, and they're not going to want to push him, but when he is in the lineup, he's definitely going to help you. At, at the very least, he'll probably get put right back into toward the top of that lineup. He'll score some runs. He might even knock in some runs, but he'll definitely hit the ball plenty in and, and help you chip away at least batting average or obP if that's your scenario so again these are still your stashes these are still your players that may not help you right away even with a short period of time left in the season Franco's still a name that's gonna that's gonna make a difference for you I think so if you want him if he's available you probably need to grab him this week because anybody will be using the remainder of their fab next week if it makes an announcement that he's actually going to return to the team after a more positive rehab start over the next couple of days than he did the first time around. Kevin, who is a wild card you might be looking at at this point?
2: The reason I use this guy for a wild card and not in the power category is because, again, it's the let's get nasty. (laughs) It's tough. It's tough to trust this. But if you need power, Nick Prado in Kansas City, in spite of continuing to strike out, over a third of his plate appearances the home runs are now coming that we expected and this is and we knew this he's been a high strikeout guy even in the minor leagues he's got his walk rate up to nearly 10 percent, and that's what's helped balance that out in the minors is he always walked 15 percent or more of the time he's up to about 10 percent now so he is drawing the walks and the home runs are coming so he's a he's a three true outcome guy for sure It's tough to throw him in there with a sub 200 batting average, especially if you're in a tight spot in that category as well. But the home runs are here now. He's had another one today. I believe it was his third one this week. I was in this position in a couple of leagues coming into this week or the weekend. I was in tight spots and I needed a guy and fortunately it's come through and over the past couple of weeks, the batting average has been there four for 16, so 250 two weeks ago. And coming into today, he was five of 17 for this week and had another good day today. So, fortunately, the batting average has been there for the past couple of weeks. But there is that danger that he could give you a pretty big batting average hit in any given week if that's something you can't risk. But the power's there now.
1: Yeah, that's and at this point. If that's what you're looking for, you got to be focusing on one or two categories, really, when it comes down to it and cross your fingers that it doesn't hurt you elsewhere. Yeah, definitely something to to keep a lookout if that's what you're looking for. All right, Kevin, that's going to do for our recommendations. You got any final words of wisdom to impart on everybody as we as we tune out?
2: No, I think we've covered a lot. We've talked about a lot of little different tidbits throughout this show, I think more so than all the little things add up to a big thing and keep everything in mind and try to get it all squared away in your head when you're making decisions for this week is you brought it up and I have it going on in some leagues as well. Playoffs are starting in head to head leagues. So good luck to everybody.
1: Yeah. Whether you are chipping away at your Roto leagues or fighting for the playoff spot or trying to advance. Good luck. All right. That's going to wrap it up for episode 75 of on the wire Please make sure to subscribe, share, and review the podcast wherever you are listening. We'll be back every Sunday with detailed fat breakdowns throughout the rest of the 2022 season. Of course, make sure you keep an eye out for Kevin's companion article over at PitcherList.com. That comes out every Sunday afternoon. You can follow myself on the Twitter at 80Grade. That's all spelled out. Kevin is at HastenKevin. Of course, follow the pod at on the wire Pod. I am Adam Howe, and on behalf of Kevin Hasting, thanks for listening that, we bid you goodbye.